is Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from South Cities Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. <clears throat> Learn more at southcities.church. It's a beautiful spring day with a high of 78. What are you guys doing to celebrate the newfound uh, glory of the outdoors? Uh, just trying to sit outside as much as possible. It's wonderful. Help your complexion get darker. <laughs> Help your hair get whiter. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. I enjoy sitting out in my lawn chair in the evenings. Mm. Mosquitoes mm-hmm. aren't too big yet. Nope. They are out though. No, I saw are. some the other night. Yeah, that's true. What do you mm-hmm. do to keep the mosquitoes at bay when they get bigger, Nick? I just spray some stuff. Mm-hmm. What stuff? Cologne? Yeah. Okay. I'll have to try that. Somebody told me that if you do bubbles like a bubble machine, they avoid them because if they po- like if they hit the bubbles, the bubbles pop and that soapy like makes them drop. Like hmm. I think I'd like to try that sometime. Dave, what are you doing? I don't know about that. To enjoy the glory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some outdoor work, running outside um, in the morning, watching Apollos play baseball. All, oh, yeah, that was so much fun. All fun ways to enjoy being outside a little bit more. Mm. Good. Stacy, what are you doing? Oh, no. Dave, what do you do to keep the mosquitoes at bay when they're... There's the size of the state bird later in the summer. Yeah, I don't know. Normally, normally our outdoor activities are a lot of running. Like it doesn't seem like we just chill outside a lot. It's like sports or tag or whatever. So you don't notice them very much. And then if we're outside at night, it's normally like by a fire, which seems to kind of keep them away pretty much. Keep the proboscises mm. from probing. So we normally experience them if we go to like Lebanon Hills or something. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) yeah, then we just try to put on a lot of repellent. Stacy, what what kind of glory are you? I like walking my dog, bike rides. Um, On Monday, I was still doing yard cleanup from winter and that's therapeutic. I really like doing stuff in the yard. Yep, and the leaves are about to pop out, so. What do you do to keep the mosquitoes away? Not really anything. You're like, come, suck my blood. I don't kill them. Oh, oh, you don't kill, know. Them. All right. kill them. All right. <laughs> Here I am. I don't know. Well, as the mosquitoes start mobbing us, today we're going to talk about the mobbing of evangelism. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what uh, I've heard some people call mob evangelism is another way of saying uh, the church, not just individual Christians, has a job in the evangelism of any particular um, you know, member's efforts. So I brought a book. I want to read a quote, and I want to hear you guys react. Ready. Let's say you're a pastor. And as you look at your church, your members aren't taking much initiative to do evangelism, let alone exposing the outside world, uh, exposing the world outside to the community of the church. What do you do? We typically see our options boiling down to one of two. First, the programmatic approach. 
In this option, you build a corporate evangelism into the institutional life of the church. You organize regular evangelistic addresses at a local coffee shop, for example, or nursing home evangelism, or Wednesday night visitation in the neighborhood. You run these programs through your staff, fund them through your budget, and recruit for them from the church body. Or number two, skipping down a bit, the organic approach. In this option, you keep the institution of the church very simple. You focus on the Sunday gathering and little else. Preach the priority of evangelism and the power of communal witness, and then pray that your people will take initiative to live it out. So, my initial question before I continue on and read, which one do you think we at South Cities tend towards? More programmatic or more organic? Uh, more organic with some uh, corporate uh, sprinklings of programmatic at, at certain points. What are some of those uh, sprinkles? Some, some of the sprinkles that we put on our evangelism cake <laughs> are... Um, our evangelism cake. We, uh, I mean, VBS would be, that's kind of the aim. I think mean, Panaprog, uh, that's kind of the aim. Some of the partnerships that we have with organizations that are trying to reach out to kind of specific groups of people that are hurting and or unseen, that, that's part of our aim. Uh, so I think uh, National Night Out. National Night Out is something yep. that we made a bigger deal of last year. Um, you know, we're going to try to do a a music in the park later this summer. That's kind of a way to do that. So I think that when we do those things, we try to we we aim at making them more us as a corporate church, letting the areas we live in know that we're here and we care. Um, that's kind of a uh, maybe it's just a almost like a soft hospitality, corporate yeah, hospitality yeah, yeah. of trying to say, hey, we, we're here and we want to care for you. And um, so I think I think we lean organic, but we don't. We're not just completely extreme that way. Okay. Um, so I'm going to read uh, further in this book. You tell me what you think about this idea. Maybe it's getting a little bit of what you just said, Dave. In a third model. We lead with the preaching of the word. Then as church leaders, we watch to see where the word is taking root and flowering into action. Then we respond by using the church resources to support the most strategic of those ideas. See, I felt like your initial question was a setup. Yeah. <laughs> Two ditches. We heard that before. Mm. In this model, church leadership is reactive. We react to what our members choose to do, but we're not passive. We actively promote member-prompted ideas that deserve attention. Think of it like a regulated free market approach. On the one hand, it is like a free market. Rather than telling people how to live out the Great Commission, like the programmed approach can do, we watch to see what naturally takes shape. The spirit convicts through God's word. Yet this is not wild frontier kind of capitalism free market approach. We deliberately help the best ideas prosper and unapologetically use the resources of the local church to do so. What do you think about that idea? Is that, is that <clears throat> close to what you think we do? Or aspire for. It's what I hope we do. Yeah. I think. I think hope to do, right? Yeah. So in the membership class, I talk about how the church is like a train and members are not at the back of the train, kind of in the prepared box cars, just along for the ride like cattle. They're in front of the train, like <laughs> spending time. Yeah. Sorry. I hope they hear that. We don't think no, you're, you're like cattle. You're not like cattle. <laughs> but no, you're in front of the train laying track. 
so the church can go where you're already at. And I think this uh, is that idea. Yeah. Like this is, we are aiming to, as a church, not uh, provide everything as a come and see or exclusively saying, it's not up to us at all. We're seeking to equip. You just go to, and tell, but help us help you where you're at and whatever the particular things are. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I invite, you know, uh, people in my small group over to my house when we're doing grill outs for the neighborhood or at Halloween. I want, you know, other Christians around for conversations to happen because I, you know, I grill out uh, at Halloween. You can come by on Halloween and get some candy and get a hot dog, all beef hot dog, only the best mm. people that come by. So, I mean, that's just a few ways that it's like worked out in our lives. Like anybody do anything like this kind of in your, in your evangelism uh, whether here at South Cities or at other times, like basically the idea of like just have other Christians that come along with me in my evangelism. Yeah. Hey, that happened. Tell me about it. Don't just shake your heads. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that we've, uh, and I, th- I think, uh, I think maybe a, a helpful. Um, I, so I, I think it can work. I think it can work both ways. So I think think there are ways where a member could come and say, hey, I'm really excited about this. And there's an evaluation of, hey, maybe that's something for you and a couple other small groups to do. Or a member could get excited about something and we say that maybe that's something we want the whole church, you know, to get behind and be involved in. Or I think sometimes the church could say, hey, hey, church, uh, corporately, uh, Lakeville has told us that they love it when people participate in Panaprog and yep. they've told us that they love it when you do this or this. So let's, let's show them that we love them and you come along for this. So I think that uh, even in the more planned things, there's an organic kind of what's mm-hmm. best in the moment. And I think what we've tried to often do is, is also piggyback on what's already happening. So like, let's like national night out is a thing. Let's, let's, let's do that as Christians, you know, yep, Panaprog yep. prayed the thing. Let's mm-hmm. do that. Um, and oftentimes, uh, I think, uh, I, I, I think naturally then you're just getting people together who are excited about doing that together. Um, you know, I, I've, and, and then it, and it also builds Christian relationships, you know? So like you could say, oh, the Panaprog parade, like who really cares? But I mean, I remember in the parade last year when I was, you know, walking with a youth and we were we were talking about um, as we're walking, you know, just oh, some people are saying no, they don't want this thing about Jesus, and they were despairing, you know, like why don't they want that? And that was hard. And so, and and I'm there as a pastor walking shoulder to shoulder, getting to say, well, that's okay, you know, you're, you're doing the best you can to be kind and give them the gospel, and you know, let let the chips fall where they may. So that so it also builds our relationships while we do it together. Um, and so I think whether it's a it's initiated by a member or initiated by the church, it's always better when your idea is both open to being improved by others and when your idea is meant to include and draw others into it one way or another. And I think that that piggybacks well on the idea that Dave keeps talking about that God has put us where we're at in this place for a reason. So God has you in your neighborhood and at this church and in our community for a reason. And we're here together, right? You know, you're not alone here. There are other brothers and sisters in our church that are here alongside of us. Mm -hmm. 
So let's do National Night Out together. Let's right. do the parade together right. because we're here. This is where God has placed us mm -hmm. to make a difference. Right. All right. I, I appreciate the way you're talking about this and the combination of those two mm -hmm. ideas. I mean, we don't have this all figured out or by any means do this at all perfectly or <laughs> close to perfectly. But um, I think just now that the weather is nicer and we see neighbors that are outside, just try to talk to them and just slow ourselves down and not just rush on to our next thing in the evening, but yep, yep. slow down to engage with them. And yeah, but I like the things you're bringing up, like what is already happening in the community? How can we join with others in what is happening too? So let me ask you an ethical question, an ethical conundrum, perhaps a, uh, a hypothetical situation to get at one other thing that uh, I'll be sharing, because this is all stuff that I'll be sharing uh, the day after uh, this podcast is released on the Wednesday night about loving your neighbors. You are at a party in your neighborhood, and there, there is beer being served. The person that's hosting the party is an unbeliever, and they hand you a beer, tell you to drink it. And perhaps with a little bit of an air, like they'll be offended if you refuse to drink it. And you also realize that there is another Christian there who believes that to drink is sinful. What do you choose to do? <laughs> I, I think it would depend on if I wanted a beer or not. Has, has this actually happened? To me? I don't know. Did you just make it up? Uh, I said it was hypothetical. Okay. I, won't I, tell, I, won't. I mean, I think, I, think that the answer, that I think the answer is you have to act according to your conscience. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I think drinking the beer because you're afraid of offending the unbelieving neighbor who's there. I think that's a bad reason to drink the beer. And I also um, don't think that what the Bible means by causing a brother or sister to stumble is that they are going to disagree with you and see you drinking and be frustrated with you. I think it's more like if I'm with a brother or sister who I know has struggled with alcoholism yep. and me drinking might encourage their drinking, which might lead them down a dangerous path. Yep. I think that's what it's talking about. So I also don't think it'd be a good reason not to drink the beer because you're worried about the pressure. So I, so I feel like I feel like you'd want to act according to your conscience. And mm -hmm. if that's a, and, and I think maybe the principle I go to is all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. Yep. And so I think in my mind. I would be asking, I probably, it probably, and I think Nick was kidding, but it's probably a little bit more I was. deep thought than just do I want a beer right now? But probably the question is, <laughs> though, though that's part of it. I mean, but. Well, but, that was, but, I mean, I was generally yeah. trying to say the same thing you were. Like, yeah. I'm not going to be, I don't feel bound either right. by the offense that would yep. cause so, not to drink it or by the yep. possible offense it would cause by drinking it. Yeah. Nope. What about if you were to say to the unbelieving host, you know, I would, but there's someone else here who's a Christian who thinks that that's not good. Or maybe 
you know, I know about their background yeah. and that might encourage them to do this. And therefore I'm not going to do it. Yeah. What do you think that might do for an unbeliever? What I'm getting at is how often do our conversations with unbelievers actually right. pop the hood right. and share what a Christian community is like? Right. Because, you know, for the right. average people just in the world, right. you do what you want. Right. Without necessarily consideration of others, or very like in the in the way that we operate in the suburbs, yep. most of our interactions are relatively surface until we linger and stay. And in the average case, you know, you're you're uh, you know at somebody's home, you don't want to offend a host. Mm-hmm. You want to be mm-hmm. agreeable and everything. How often does the reality of what we are as brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in Christ mm-hmm. actually get talked about sure. among unbelievers? Yep, I think that's relatively rare. Right. And I don't think it should be that rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of times, uh, perhaps in conversations that I hear, you know, maybe maybe not really at South Cities, but maybe it's more just out there. It's kind of like, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that might, you know, whatever those Christians are. I'm, you know, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Christian that likes, you know, take your pick. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's actually a spot for, you know, I'm not one of those Christians, but I like those Christians because mm-hmm. they're Christians. Christians, yeah. Because yeah. uh, and therefore, there is a a community that's deeper than just how the world relates to each other. Mm. So I think that's what I'm getting at. It. That's a shout out to uh, Dr. Brent Belford. Thanks for your ethics class 20 years ago, Brent. Appreciate that. And uh, and a situation that I have encountered a couple of times. Not exactly that, but things along those lines. And I think have seen some fruit from, uh, no, I'm going to refrain or I'm going to refuse mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, I have brothers or sisters in Christ here. And that's prompted other good conversations, mm. uh, including in my neighborhood where I live now with mm. people that I still have relationships with. So, Anything else you'd say about this topic? Anything else you'd say specifically about, you know, that kind of idea, what Jesus said uh, in John, you know, they will know. You are my disciples by your love one for another. Yeah, maybe maybe it's to say that sometimes we uh, kind of pit outreach versus inreach. Yep. And and actually, you know, like in our current neighborhood, um, we had a bunch of people help us move into our our house that showed up, and um, then we had you know we met our neighbors and they said, "Who are all the people you know that came and helped you move?" You had quite a crew, you know, and to be able to say, "Oh." Uh, yeah, I'm a pastor, and that was those just people from church. I wanted to come, and they were like, "Wow!" Although you know, we had a hard time finding people to help us move. That that kind of idea, mm-hmm. I think is. I think you're right. It's it's bringing the reality of what the that kind of community is uh, into the lives of those around us in a way that is helpful. You know, so so yes, uh, the mingling of believers and unbelievers. But even if you're just having your small group over and you're playing together and hanging out and it's clear that there's affection for each other, that's going to mean something to your neighbors. Uh, you know, especially in this, especially in the suburbs where we're so cloistered off. Um, so I think, you know, there's, there's, there's going to be seasons for the mingling. There's going to be seasons for the deepening of relationships and both of those things out in the open, you know, uh, are going to be a strong witness that there's something different about this group of yeah. people that, and, and frankly, 
I mean, Stacy was, I think it was on the last podcast we did, you talked about the statistics of mm. loneliness mm-hmm. and anxiety. And so your neighbors are probably lonely. The mm-hmm. people that you're yep. sitting next to at the your kids' sports games are probably lonely. Some of them are at least. Mm-hmm. And um, as they see you not lonely, they might want in on that too, you know, and they yeah. might wonder what holds you together. Yeah. So. Yeah. And just <clears throat> to kind of go along what your hypothetical example is, don't be afraid of conversations. Yeah. You know, like just talk about it. You know, if, if you feel like you need to react one way or another, it's not going to make it worse to just say, Hey, this is, this is why I'm doing it. Cause like, I, I mean, I'm just thinking like oftentimes we have these worst case scenario fears in our heads. Mm-hmm. Like if I say this or that, then this is definitely going to happen. And they almost never do. <laughs> they might, but they almost never do. So just talk and just explain what you're thinking and why you believe it. And most times people will be willing to talk with you about that well, and even welcome that. Yeah. What I was going to say, and then we kind of got off of it was, you know, not to be driven by fear, but driven yeah, by love. Exactly. So while, yeah. while I don't want to feel pressure from this side or this side, I do in my considering what's helpful want to be driven by love so that I may choose, like you said, to abstain because I just love my brother or sister and just don't want to, don't want to go there with them or, or hurt them in a way that they're going to feel offended by. And that's better <laughs> when it comes from a place of love and not a place of fear of conflict. That's exactly And the right. same way yep. towards mm-hmm. your neighbor that's offering it is, you know, uh, you want to make your decisions from a place of how can I love them towards Christ in this moment, not what am I afraid is going to happen on either side. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us today. Looking forward to the summer with Wednesday Connections. Invite your neighbors. Love to see that happen. Hannah Prague and all the opportunities there. And then, of course, National Night Out, first Tuesday of August. We hope you go to your local National Night Out or consider even now, beginning of May, uh, to start uh, planning to host that. That would be great. And invite us uh, if we're not on our own. We'd love to come. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>